Welcome to another episode of the Selfishness Project where we explore the idea of selfishness. Today, or I should say tonight, I am here with two new guests. One I'm Faith. Faith and Ash. Ash, okay. I know both of them, at least a little bit, from having met with them in previous years, but let me not assume my prior knowledge for our audience. So, uh, Faith, let me start with you. Okay. So, when I say the word selfishness or selfish, what comes to mind? Anything in particular? Well, I'm in a place where I'm learning different things about selfishness, and I grew up believing that selfishness is a bad thing, um, where you're doing things that specifically just focuses on you and not taking anyone else into account. Um, but as I get older, I'm learning, and I'm lear also learning that selfishness can also be about making you a focus, not to the exclusion of others, but so that you are able to take care of yourself, so. Okay, so you, you started out, as I think a lot of people do, with this negative kind of view of selfishness, uh, and I guess you're, you're now starting to think of it in a different way. What, what is it that has led you to start thinking of it differently than you used to think about it? Actually, it's therapy. Um, just going for personal therapy and you know, spending time with psychologists and everything, and they're like, you need to do some self-care. You need to take care of yourself, and it's okay to say no if it's not, um, if it's not serving to what's good for you, what's good for your life. And I started going along that path pretty much because I was spiraling and couldn't keep up with taking care of everyone else except for me. Okay. It's interesting you mentioned this, this term self-care. I've, I've heard of that come up a few times talking to people about selfishness, but it seems like it's, it's become more prominent recently, I take it. So do you, do you have, you study psychology and have you heard it that way or? Um, I, like I said, I have heard it and just studying and going to school and picking up also a lot of the self-help books that are, have been coming to light, a lot of the new direction that people are looking on how to take better care of yourself. Um, and like I said, just even going to therapy for myself to work through, you know, the transitions of my life. So when I hear it from my therapist and they're like, what have you done for yourself this week? As opposed to, you know, you have to care about what everybody else has thought or what everybody else is doing. And, you know, that's when self-care popped up. It was, I had a hard time with that when they would ask me, what have you done for yourself this week? And for a long time, I was just like, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally I was just like, well, I know I couldn't afford it and I had this bill to pay, but I decided I wanted to get my nails done. And they were just like, and how did that make you feel? It's like a little anxious about not paying that particular bill and putting it off a couple of days, but it was nice to have time for myself and just to focus and be able to breathe and say, I did something for me and the world's not going to end. So that was just how self-care came into um, came into being for me. 
Okay, so then trying to connect that to selfishness, in my mind, I guess being given this uh, advice by uh, psychologists or therapists or whomever that it's okay to care for yourself, is that basically another way of saying it's okay to be selfish to an extent? Is that kind of how you interpret it? And that's why like now you have a different view of selfishness, someone than you used to. Absolutely. I hear the analogy, it's like, oh, you should, um, like when you're on an airplane and they teach you, you need to put the oxygen mask on your face first before you can help anyone else. I feel that that's, that's part of that selfishness um, that people are viewing. And you can take that and put that, if you're not, if you yourself are not happy, how can you expect the people around you to be happy? And if you are taking care of yourself, if you're taking that time to, you know, take an hour to read a book uh, instead of, you know, going out and doing something for someone else and it's pushing your day and everything else and it, it becomes a domino effect. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't have healthy relationships with others. I'm a firm believer in that. If you don't, you know, say, you know what, it's okay for me to go and have lunch with a friend um, as opposed to making dinner for your significant, or having lunch with your significant other. It, the world's not going to end. He's a grown man, he can make a sandwich for himself. So, you know, and if I come home and I'm happy and I said, I just spent time with this person and it was really fulfilling to me, I can now smile and take care of him and, you know, not necessarily take care of him because he can take care of himself, but I can, I can be a better partner. I can be a better friend. I can be, I view that you can be a better parent, a better, you know, just a better person in general. Um, can I add to that? Please. I just, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, because she did that the other night, she went and had dinner with a friend and, you know, and if, if she takes time and does things for herself and she comes home and she's happier and I should be happy for her as well, that's, you know, better for both of us and for our relationship, right? Is that Absolutely. kind of what you're Absolutely. So her being selfish or self-caring is actually, in a, in a way, it's, I don't know, is it other caring? Is it, does it include your own uh, well-being? There's, there's yeah. no, I, I'm getting the sense there's not a conflict here. Exactly. When she's doing what's good for herself, it's good for right. the, the both of you somehow. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, the way I think of it is, you know, we, we are social animals. Uh, in, in some ways, we're the most social animals. We have, you know, these incredibly complex social relationships. Um, and to a large extent, what what an individual self-interest consists in is you know those relationships with other people because you know that's how we thrive as a, as a species and as individuals is through uh, exchanging these different values with each other um, it, you know it's like we're we're social animals in a way that's different from the way that you know like hive insects are you know we, we don't have the same kind of or, or even, you know, like other social animals, like other mammals, like wolves, or, you know, we don't have these kind of top-down dominance hierarchies, at least ideally. I think we don't, you know, we have these mutually beneficial kind of win-win relationships. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want to get a bit of your background. So we're in Utah right now, and there's uh, this is the land of you know the, uh, the the Mormon Church, and I understand you have some backgrounds. Yeah, I grew up here. Uh, Faith is not from here, so she's not from a Mormon background, but I am. Okay. Um, yeah. So in in your backgrounds as uh, as a Mormon or growing up in a more Mormon area. Like, how does selfishness relate to that? Does it come up at all? If so, how? Um, does anything come to mind in terms of like thinking about your history and background that connects to selfishness? Yeah, you know, in Mormonism is is kind of a unique animal uh, in terms of its relationship to other Christian uh, religions in this country. I think so. In some ways, it's it's similar. In other ways, it's quite different. Um, and I think. Basically, it's pretty similar with regard to this issue in terms of, like she was saying, you know, I was definitely brought up to think that, you know, selfishness was wrong and, like, the, the good is to, you know, be altruistic in this sort of Christian sense of, you know, you should be, uh, is it, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, not even just like kind of like the Old Testament idea of, you know, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, which, you know, kind of implies that you want other people doing good things for you as well so there's kind of almost like a, a self-interested aspect to that but almost in this kind of more extreme uh christian sense of like you know turning the other cheek and you know if your enemy takes your i don't you probably know the bible references better than i do anymore but uh you know if what is it if your enemy takes your cloak give him your shirt also or something right that, that kind of stuff um so you know but at the same time, you know, so Mormons do at least pay some lip service to that kind of idea of, of uh, altruism. But, you know, like most other more mainstream Christians, they don't take it too seriously. Because, <laughs> you know, they, they'll say, you know, you should turn the other cheek and stuff, but in practice, how many of them really do that consistently <laughs> in, in the way that Jesus would probably want them to? Um, so I don't know. There's I don't, there's a lot of interesting kind of conflict there. I think. Yeah, Mormonism. That's that's a religion that it was born in America. If I is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, it was started in the kind of mid early to mid nineteenth century. Uh, so Joseph Smith, the founder right. of the religion, kind of came out of upstate New York, and then they just kind of as the movement grew, it kind of gradually migrated westward, and then you know Joseph Smith was martyred in Ohio or wherever, and well Missouri, I guess. They're kind of like in that area, Midwest, and uh, and then, you know, his successor, Brigham Young, ended up leading uh, the, the early Mormons out here to Utah. Um, but I, I think the fact that it is an American religion that kind of came out of that, um, what is that, the Second Great Awakening or whatever, I, you know, the history of religious uh, development in this country, um, I think that's relevant because you know there are certain aspects of Mormonism that I think are sort of more individualistic or almost self-interested than than some other you know kind of more traditional Christian or Protestant or even Catholicism. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, be interested to hear about that. Sure. Yeah, like just the, the first example that comes to mind is um, they, so they have what they call the, their Articles of Faith, which. Was at one point, you know, Joseph Smith was kind of asked to boil down what are the basic doctrines of Mormonism, and so he came up with this list of kind of 13 key principles um, called that he called the Articles of Faith, and one of them was it might be the first.
first one. I don't remember the whole list anymore or the order, but one of them was that, you know, they believe, you know, and he's trying to distinguish his doctrines from the other Christian religions at the time that he thinks are wrong, that he's starting this new religion to kind of correct, you know, what he thinks is wrong with the kind of Protestant tradition at the time. Um, so one of them is, we believe that man will be punished for his own sins and not for Adam's transgression. So it's mm. sort of like an explicit repudiation of the idea of original sin. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was growing up, like that really resonated with me. Uh, and that was one of the things that made me think, yeah, this religion is, is the right one. It's better than all these other Christian religions that believe that, you know, people, uh-oh. Uh, sprinklers, sprinklers are about to come on. Dang <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I was right in the middle of a point too. Are we gonna have to move before your tripod gets? Uh... We'll see. We might have to stop for the yeah, sprinklers. Yeah, sprinkle on you here. Um, <laughs> dang it. We, we can always well. edit this later, so no, no worries about that. All right. So um, we were. You were you were talking about the differences between the Mormon religion and the other religions, and that the the Mormon religion is, in a in a way, it's more individualistic because you're not responsible for Adam's sins, but only your own sins or something like that. And that, right. it was more appealing to you yeah. for that reason. Yeah, and so then when I, you know, so I always thought, you know, it's like, well, this is the true church. And if I ever left this church, I wouldn't join a different Christian faith that had that idea of original sin, because I think that's definitely wrong. Because um, I thought it was just totally unfair for, you know, somebody to be held responsible for the, the actions and choices of somebody else, right? But then, ultimately, that is actually why I ended up leaving the Mormon Church, because I realized that, um, you know, despite, you know, the claim of that, that particular article of faith, that they do still hold this doctrine of original sin in some form, you know, I mean, because the whole idea of, of Christ dying for everyone's sins is still basically that idea that one person can take on the responsibility of uh, the choices and actions of, of someone else. And in this case, it's like the one supposedly perfect person is the one who's going to be responsible and take on the suffering and punishment and everything for, for the sins of everybody else. And that just, I was like, wow, that's, that's you know, the idea of original sin on steroids, because it's not just hmm. that you know, the descendants are responsible for Adam's transgression. It's like, no, it's like the one guy who never did anything wrong now for that very reason is the one guy who has to suffer for everything that wrong that anybody else did. Uh -huh. And when I kind of thought of it that way, that just struck me as like so completely, like monstrously unjust that I was just like, I, I can't ascribe to that anymore. It's like, I... You know, I don't want Jesus to suffer for my sins. I want to be responsible for my own choices in life, you know? And then it's just, you know, and you can follow that line of thought and just be like, okay, and all right, so does that mean that, you know, if if God, you know, the rest of it is true and God is real and the afterlife and everything, that, all right, so I'm, I'm going to have to suffer for my own sins if I'm not accepting Jesus's atonement. Um, but then... The idea that that means like oh and that means i'm gonna like have to suffer eternal damnation and torture and hell for however long like for whatever stupid things i did in this life that just that doesn't make any sense to me like that just seems completely unfair and so you know once i kind of let all that go you know to kind of bring it back around to the idea of selfishness you know it was much easier for me to to just start looking at life as like you know i should just be trying to live 
the best life that I can and enjoying it. And if I make mistakes along the way, okay, I may have to pay for them, but like hopefully I can learn from them. And yeah, just all of that whole religious dogma about afterlife and sin and punishment and hell and all of that stuff just seemed completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up this point about paying for other people's sins. Like, I hadn't really thought as explicitly in my mind before that, in a way, it's a collectivist philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've, I've heard it said that Christianity, in, in a way, it values the individual soul, but in a way, it's it's kind of... Uh, so, in, so in some sense, it's individualistic, perhaps, because... Um, each individual, whatever rank he has in life, whether he's the king or some serf, he's got some soul which has uh, some specialness in God's eyes or something. But So maybe there's some elements of individualism in Christianity, but there's also an element of collectivism because you are, Jesus is bearing other people's sins, not just his own, and you know, we're bearing Adam's sins, not just our own. Yeah. And as a congregation, you know, the, the people in the church, and I think this is probably true of most Christian sects, you know, like you have some responsibility for the other people in your congregation in terms of like, you know, you're all respond, you're all in it together, right? Like you're supposed to be making sure that, you know, your family and your neighbors and everybody else are on the right path too, which is why I think a lot of Christian uh, denominations, especially the Mormons, um, do, you know they proselytize a lot and they, you know they, they have missionaries to go out because like they're on a mission to save other people's souls like that's very unselfish right other other oriented for sure yeah. um, so so faith um, I guess were, do you have a Mormon background as well no I grew up in the Pentecostal church Pentecostal. Um, and we like he said that it the idea we believed in original sin um, so I grew up being told that you were born in sin and then, but there was an age of accountability. So you don't like after a certain point, uh, that's when God holds you accountable for whatever. And I always struggled with that because I'm like, well, what age are you accountable for what you do? Uh, so that was, that was something that I struggled with growing up and thinking about, but, but the idea of missionaries being a mission, um, you know, we're taught, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Like that's, that's something you're taught to do. You're taught to go out, you're taught to teach other people because it's your responsibility to make sure that they, the person that, any person that you come into contact with takes responsibility for their sins, their actions. Um, And then you're also responsible for your sins and your actions and you know, if you see your, you know, brother sinning, you need to let them know, hey, this is not okay. Um, yeah, well, so that's able, kind of, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Right. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that I grew up hearing as well. Um, you know, that is a fundamental difference, you know, about the age of accountability. But, but we, we have a version of that in Mormonism, too. Because, um, you know, the, Mormonism kind of comes out of that tradition of, you know, Protestantism where they don't believe in uh, infant baptism that, that the Catholic mm-hmm. Church does. And so that's kind of baked into the whole Protestant tradition, I think, where it's just like, you know, 
children are, are held to be innocent up to a certain point when they reach an age of accountability. But then even in Catholicism, they have, you know, what they call the age of reason, which is, I don't know, seven or eight or something. Julia Sweeney, I don't know if you've ever seen Letting Go of God, yeah, Julia yeah. Sweeney's model. She has a really funny bit about that, so for people who haven't seen that, <laughs> you should check it out. But um, I don't know, it's just like, the, I feel like the more you dig into these religious uh, edifices, the they're very complicated and, and they get very messy and there's like there's, they're very contradictory in a lot of ways I think but um, so yeah I mean you could dig into the, the kind of minutiae of these all day and try to tease apart you know like what's going on in different traditions but it's uh, but it's interesting that you asked me because I, I I think back to when I was in church and everything and one of the things that I I always thought was interesting is it's a lot of work trying to make sure you yourself haven't sinned so you know but then you have to go out and do that so even if you try to take that selfish model um, and say or self-care model well I I'm trying to do my best I'm trying to lead the life that God wants me to lead it almost makes it impossible because if you do that that's wrong how, like you can't focus, you can't focus on yourself, even trying to get your, um, do your best, make sure that you're not sinning, make sure that you're leading the life God wants you to lead. You have to make sure other ones, because that's part of, you know, that's part of what God is asking you to do. So it's almost in a place where it makes it impossible for you to do that self-care, even saying, hey, I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, to be, you know, to lead a righteous life, to be one without sin, to make sure that, yes, that's important, but you're responsible for other people too, which sends you down a spiral, which it almost makes it impossible. Uh, that's kind of something that I struggled with, and I had trouble when it came to church um, and thinking about that. So I guess it's kind of, it sets you up for failure for that self-care model. So even once I left church, I didn't know how to separate that. I didn't know how to separate that from my everyday life. I would have, you know, the idea that I would take an hour for myself when there are other people who need my time. The idea that I wouldn't drop everything so that I could help someone else, help a friend. Uh, I struggled with that idea and I didn't know how to separate that which is part of why I ended up doing therapy and you know it was such a struggle for them to get me to do something that was just for me mm -hmm. even if it was something very small very that didn't take a whole lot of time but the idea of doing that was difficult for me and a part of that comes from how I was raised and that belief system because that was something I always struggled with how can I keep on top of myself which is a ton of work and then also make sure that my brother isn't you know falling behind or my sister isn't falling behind we call each other brother and sister in church I know that may sound weird but um, but that's what we did yeah, and let's do that too. and so like or if you and you work so hard and you work there and you don't want to fail that person so once you leave that church and you've got that mindset, 
it makes it very difficult for you to lead a good your best life it makes it hard for you to lead you know the life that is fulfilling that makes you feel like you've done something that's productive and makes you feel like it makes it difficult to make you feel like you can succeed at anything because you need to make sure that the people around you are doing that um, doing as well so can I add to yeah. that? I think that brings up a, a really huge issue here with um, how that kind of belief system that's based on a more sort of altruistic ethic that requires you to uh, be more focused on other people's needs and and, and you know to to the exclusion of your own. Uh, I think it's really common for it to have like really serious mental health. Uh, implications and especially here like um, you know Utah has some of the highest rates of um, just prescription of psychological medications you know for depression and stuff but also like abusive of uh, prescription drugs and and suicide as well especially among uh, you know groups that are uh, sort of cast out by the mainstream community here like like um, you know there's been a real crisis over the last decade or or so here with uh, gay teens who are basically disowned by their parents and end up being living out on the streets becoming homeless and and then killing themselves uh, it's it's really tragic <laughs> and um, I don't know it, it makes me think of something else that faith has mentioned to me before though about you know, in, in a sense, selfishness is, is sort of like a, at some level, it's like a biological imperative, you know, where living creature organisms just have this hardwired urge to preserve their own life, right? And, you know, other animals don't attempt suicide. <laughs> um, but, you know, humans can take this higher level perspective on their lives and, and actually make that choice consciously. Um, and and to do that, you know, to choose to decide to take your own life is, you know, from one perspective, it's it's kind of the the most unselfish act that you can do, right? Um, but you know, from another perspective, in some contexts, you know, if if somebody is choosing to end their life because they just can't handle, you know, the the level of of pain or suffering that they're dealing with anymore or whatever, like that can even be a, a selfish choice, <laughs> I think. So that might be interesting to some of our audience. I mean, how how something like suicide yeah. could be selfish. Um, so maybe if you could elaborate a bit on what you mean by that, you're, you're destroying yourself. So what could be more unselfish I, than that? I like to jump in on that. Um, I have suffered with mental health issues, which is it wasn't just therapy. I've been hospitalized for it. and um, because of suic multiple suicide attempts and one of the things I one time I went on Facebook and someone was going off and about how suicide's the most selfish thing and it really upset me because I thought here's the thing when I'm when I have done this my thought wasn't just yes it was 
it wasn't a selfish thought because and even then they looked at it as a bad thing like this is a selfish thing when I have it's it was always trying to make things better for other people um, suicide was making things better for other people yeah, because I, I felt like a burden I felt yeah. like I was just having to struggle with that and looking at it and I'm just like you would be better off without me I'm making your life better by taking me out of the equation you wouldn't have to deal with the stress you wouldn't have to deal with my anxiety you won't have to do this you it's actually quite it's one of the it's almost it's not a self in my view it's not a selfish act it it's one in my in my personal experience it's always been to I'm doing this because I'm causing pain to other people. How can I make their pain stop? Right. Like everyone would be better off without me. I'm a burden. But and I think that's a common view because I mean that goes back to like, you know, even portrayals in the media like back to It's a Wonderful Life. You know, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> he jumps off the bridge because he thinks that you know like his life is is meaningless and and nobody would miss him if he were gone and like he's just he's just a drain on his family and his friends or whatever. And then the whole point of the movie is like, you know, how that's not actually true and you know, right. how he's made like such a big difference in the world. You know, like <laughs> we don't need to debate the merits of that movie here, but I think it's interesting, you know, that that's the way it portrays that choice. Cause I think that is actually kind of a common but, way that, that people think of it. But one of the things that I have is getting back to a healthier mindset is taking on the selfish view. And that's, I'm not worried about what other people do because now I know that when I feel this way, I can go and I'm going to drive for the weekend and take the weekend for myself and visit people that are self-edifying, that feed into me, and I can take that selfish choice and do that. I might give a gift to a person, not because I have to, not because it's their birthday and it's required, not because it's just the social convention, it's because I've taken the time to see the smile on, I'm having a bad day, I'm gonna go to a bookstore and buy Ash a book that I think he would appreciate and to see the look on his face, that makes me feel good. And so to me, that was my selfish choice and that makes me feel good to do that and I've noticed that my mental health has gone from I'm trying to make everyone happy and do exactly what everything wants and now I can't do it and this is just you know going from one extreme to I'm actually healthier by taking those selfish choices and somebody's like you just picked up and left and didn't think about anyone else yes you're right I did just pick up and leave and didn't think about anyone else because I wanted to feel good. I wanted to do something that was good for me. And I didn't want to be in a place where I would hurt myself. So it's kind of funny that like the world sees, well, suicide is a selfish option. In my view, it wasn't. I was doing it to help you. And then when I decided to take that, I'm going to do my self-care. I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's selfish. And I'm in a better place mentally than I have been in years. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's some interesting things that came up there. Um, one is that generosity, like you're buying of him a book, gives you some kind of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. 
whereas you know often people think well doing something for others is is altruistic you're you're not getting anything out of it yourself but here it seems like you were mm -hmm. um also so, so the, the the suicide so i guess in your case there were it was kind of i guess it was coming from an altruistic source you were wanting to lessen the burden on others um whereas other people were telling you that it's selfish like what do you suppose do you have any um idea of why they might have thought it was selfish they view and i have gotten their view and a lot of it's just like you're not thinking about what happens to us when you're gone uh -huh. and i'm like no i'm thinking that's exactly what i'm thinking about and in the end you'll get over me you'll move on hmm. life will you know you think i was like because this is so like a fresh wound you think i'm super important but in the end, I can guarantee in three months, you're thinking about something else and I'm the last thing on your mind. So people view it as, you have to carry the burden. I'm like, you don't know my relationship with my family. Like, what will your family think? I'm like, my family doesn't think about me now. Like, these are things that, you know, when you're looking at these things, I'm not saying all my family doesn't think about me, but this is the situation. I, I don't come from a very close family. So would they really miss me? Well, we've gone years without talking, so not really. Like it, I'm just taking up space. I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, that's just kind of how I felt about it. And, you know, these are people that I talk on Facebook about. People say, well, you have all these friends and they like all your topics on Facebook. And I'm just like, but when was the last time someone called? Yeah. You know, that's just so, when I take myself out of the picture and because when I when you do call I'm calling with high anxiety I'm calling with super depression I mean, dealing with bipolar disorder or dealing with any type of uh, mental health disorder it is hard I I like bless him because I know what it's like to deal with me are you kidding me I know it drives you up a wall imagine what it does to me I'm the one that's going up down left right and can't figure it out and at the same time that's exactly when I get into that trap of look at what I'm doing to him when we're in the same room and I can't handle things and I can't get my medications right and they need to be changed and it it's not easy to get them changed like when it starts a slippery slope and it starts not working I have to be in the doctor's office immediately saying this is not working we need to change it now before it gets too bad and I become manic or I become super depressive because I cycle through both and he's got to deal with that okay so maybe we can get your perspective on <laughs> well, this <laughs> I mean she's making it sound like our relationship is like this constant dealing with the uh, with those kinds of issues, but you know, you know, to go back to what she was saying a little bit before, um, with you know, people who are suicidal feeling like, oh, I'm just removing a burden from from all these people in my life or whatever, is you know, when when you have this view that you know your primary value is coming from your relationship with other people, I think that that's kind of like almost a natural conclusion is to then be like well if I don't see that I'm really giving that much value to other people then why am I even here right um, whereas on the other hand you know I feel like 
when you're in a more positive relationship, which is actually what our relationship is most of the time, which is why we're not together, um, you know, like it's it's more about the things she was talking about, where you're you're doing things for the other person that are actually helping, you know, contributing to their happiness, like you know, buying them a gift that a thoughtful gift that they will enjoy, or you know, just spending time together and you know, doing the things that people do. <laughs> um, so when you get that gift, like when if, when she gets you this book, mm -hmm. what is your reaction? Like, do you say, oh, thanks for that was a selfless thing of you to do? Oh. Or or how do you see that? No, no, no. I, to you, me, it, it just... Was she being selfish when she did that? Or, or self-caring? Or, or how do you see that? Uh, you know, I, that's a good question. Because I don't know that I really even kind of think of it in those terms. It's more just like... I feel like she knows me well enough to, to get me something that I wouldn't necessarily have gotten for myself. Just because I don't think about it, but when she gets it for me, I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, I would, I love it, and I assume that her intentions and her motives aren't to be, you know, doing it out of some sort of self-sacrificial thing, like, oh, I could have bought myself a book, but I'm going to buy this thing for you instead. It's, there's, there's sort of, in a relationship, especially, you know, like a close, intimate relationship, there's a sort of kind of quid pro quo, I guess, going on, where it's just like, you know, we do things for each other because we love each other and that kind of enhances both of our happiness at the same time. Um, yeah, because it goes back to what you said earlier, is that there's not, there's just not a conflict there. This conversation kind of reminds me of the episode of Friends, um, huge Friends fan, so it makes me laugh every time. And I love this episode. And Joey turns around to everyone and He's just like, well, there's no unselfish act. And he's trying to explain that to him. And then he goes on TV and he's doing like this telethon. And Phoebe's like, I hate PBS because, you know, I wrote to them and they never wrote me back after, you know, my mom killed herself. And so I won't do any. She's like, I'll show you. I'm going to do something. She's like, I've been saving up for this hamster and I'm donating all this money to them. And it puts him on and he's and it puts him on TV and she's just like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And she's like, no, and she's just upset because she was doing something she absolutely thought she was going to hate. And then it ended up that it was a happy thing. So I laugh at that episode every time because I'm a firm, like it was, it was enlightening when I saw that episode, you know, Friends is enlightening. It, it, <laughs> but it made me laugh because I'm a firm believer in that, like giving that gift, doing something for someone else makes me happy. Not, I don't do it because I have to, I do it because I get to. I do it because I want to. And just having that sort of perspective in life, it, it changes your viewpoint. It changes the, your perspective. It, like to me, it makes life happier. And it changes something. the viewpoint on as opposed to saying I have like there's to do not it. a conflict, like you're not doing something where you're benefiting other people at your own expense, but that rather that you know you're in these kind of mutually beneficial relationships. Right. I'm giving to you because it makes me feel good. I'm not doing it because I have to, because someone told me to. I'm doing something for you because and I think that when you take religion out of it for me like circling back 
when I took religion out of it and there wasn't a God telling me, oh, you have to do this, it made doing things for other people so much more um, rewarding for me because then I realized I'm not, I'm doing, it's not a duty. yeah, it's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do, I want to do, and it just, it's self-care. It's selfish for me. Mm -hmm. so. Maybe there's a tie in there too that the, uh, a political sort of issue, being forced to give money to some cause versus voluntarily donating money to some cause. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you might feel a lot better about you know where your yeah. money is going if you're not you know forced well, at gunpoint yeah. under threat of taxation. We, we were Absolutely. talking about this a little bit at dinner before the interview uh, where, so you're not a Harry Potter fan, but... Well, I just all, don't know about for it. For all I the Harry Potter fans man. in here, faith is a Slytherin. <laughs> so, but, I, you know, I think, I think you're right, Dan, that just in general, there's sort of an aspect of human nature where people uh, resist being told what to do to some extent. You know, if it's like explicitly, um, you know, somebody coming and saying, you must do this just because I said so. A lot of people are gonna uh, bridle at that, is that, if that's the word I'm looking for, but because um, you know, like people value their own autonomy, and so even if it's something that you would have otherwise, you know, decided to do yourself, the fact that somebody else is saying you have to do it almost makes you not want to do it, yeah. <laughs> right? Although, on the other hand, like, and maybe this is, you know, to again bring it back around to the kind of religious thing you know like for a lot of religions and for Mormonism explicitly obedience is the highest virtue so it's like it's almost like is this the whole point of religion to try to overcome that natural self-assertion a self-assertiveness that people have so that they can we can have these sort of hierarchical societal institutions where where we can have somebody at the top like telling everybody below this is how you should behave <laughs> Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, nowadays I, I think of it as, I, I tend to kind of approach this whole question from um, a more, well I already mentioned some of the like biological aspects, but also, you know, just kind of like a game theoretic perspective. So do, are you familiar with game theory? A little bit. All? So you know, like the prisoner's dilemma kind of things yeah. and things like that. Um, and, you know, and they'll, I think people who study game theory, they'll set up ex experiments and things to try to show that, you know, like, well, if you're selfish in the sense of like, you're always just taking what you can get at the expense of everyone else, that that actually has a bad outcome for everyone uh, overall, you know, kind of in the long run. Um, and I think that's true if that's what you mean by selfishness. But, but something that is, I've never really heard discussed that I think is kind of even more obvious <laughs> and, and more profoundly true is that if you if you just look at altruism from a game theoretic perspective um, if everybody were altruistic all the time and, and uh, sacrificing their own interests for everybody else that's that's not even a zero-sum game that's a negative-sum game like you you cannot grow the pie by everybody just sacrificing for each other right um, and so, you know, and I think the conclusions that have kind of come out of game theory over the last several decades, uh, you know, kind of support the view that, that actually, you know, a lot of what we've been saying, that there, 
if if you view the situation is that there's not a conflict of interest and and people kind of cooperate for for uh, a common goal that that everybody can end up actually being better off and uh, so so in a sense like the selfish or self-interested thing to do is is to cooperate with other people to kind of further your uh, mutual goals as long as they don't conflict with each other right yeah it reminds me of Adam Smith's point of you know when everyone pursues his own private interest it's best for everyone as a whole right um, so through the the invisible hand of the market or something just by being selfish or self-interested that ends up actually maximizing everyone's interests mm -hmm. but then there's a question of whether that should be one's motive um, right. to maximize everyone's interests but there's not necessarily a conflict between pursuing what's in your interest and what's good for everybody else. It could be that what's best for you is also best for everyone else. It, max, it increases the pie, as you were saying. It right. expands the pie. Right. All right. Well, any last thoughts? Or is that a uh, big pies is a good place to end? <laughs> I like pie. Enjoy the pie. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thanks. Enjoy Thanks, the Jeff. chat. It's fun talking to you. Thank you.